0: Episode 80 of the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Hi there and welcome to the Bowery Capital Sales Podcast. Today on the show, we have Shelly McNary from Bill.com, VP of Sales here. Welcome to the show, Shelly. Thank you. Great to be here. So before we get into today's topic about when and how to build out an SDR team, can you tell us a bit more about your background and how you ended up here at Bill.com?
1: Sure. So, my career and my passion for the past, uh, we'll say, fifteen plus years, <laughs> and leave it at that, um, has been building and growing global inside sales teams, uh, primarily in the B two B software SaaS uh, arena. You know, ranging from early stage startups to large enterprise organizations. Uh, as you know, there are a lot of flavors of inside sales. You know, everything from sales development on the front end to um, individual quota carrying sales reps, inside sales reps, um, some that are teamed with field sales reps, all the way through to account managers and renewals. So, um, you know, I've kind of been there and done that in terms of, of leading and managing those kinds of teams. You know, and the interesting thing is that the one area that kind of still is a mystery to many is you know how and when to build out a sales development organization so I'm really excited that we're covering this topic today and hopefully you know share some insights when people are thinking about building building out these kinds of programs
0: absolutely so before we jump into that just for the listeners that aren't familiar can you
1: tell us a little bit about bill.com and what you guys do here oh sure okay love an opportunity for a commercial <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know as we like to say bill.com's mission is to transform the way that businesses pay and get paid so So we do this by dramatically simplifying the entire payables and receivables process. So for myself and and most of the organization, we're we're primarily focused on small and mid-sized businesses and the accounting firms that service them. Um, so by integrating with accounting software like QuickBooks, Intact, and, and others um, in that realm, we are giving SMB and accounting firms the same kind of you know, automation, security scale around AP and AR workflow that previously has only been available to the large you know, Fortune 1000 companies. Yep. So it's, it's a fun place to be and um, you know, great culture, great team, and, and awesome customers.
0: Absolutely, and just before we we jump in even more, what's one thing that no one on the podcast would know about you?
1: Okay, I love these fun questions. <laughs> um, I've traveled a lot, so um, forty three countries and counting. My husband and I together, so um, a lot of you know great, fun travel experiences and stories. Absolutely. All what was the, the last place you guys traveled to? Um, actually, the last one, most recently, was Mexico. We spend quite a bit of time there just because it's so close to California. Yep. We're based here, of course, out in our corporate offices in California, um, so, you know, quick trip and sunny place to be. It's nice. I love that. So so let's jump
0: in to how and
1: when to build out
0: an SDR team because I think companies of, of all scales struggle with this. So first and foremost, let's define what a BDR, SDR, MDR should be doing and how they add value to an organization.
1: Sure. Um, so, you know, I would say the primary charter of a BDR, SDR um, is, and really should be, generating pipeline for the sales organization. Um, you know, it's a highly specialized role that focuses on the front end of the sales process. Um, you know, the the marketing phrase is, you know, filling the top of the funnel with highly qualified opportunities, you know, either by qualifying and handing off inbound leads that come from marketing programs or other sources, or by conducting outbound prospecting, yep. so you know, kind of the inbound outbound definition, you know. But I think it's important to note that in addition to accelerating pipeline growth, the way that BDRs can add value is by you know educating, creating awareness, and building relationships in target accounts or, or you know in target markets. You know, this kind of work, awareness, education, relationship building um, is not what the highly paid highly skilled uh you know quota carrying sales reps should be doing that's my humble opinion you know that that kind of work um has tremendous value but it's very different than the kind of work that's in time and resources frankly that are needed to move an already active qualified opportunity to close so it's totally different skill sets and and totally different you know separation of specialized um skills absolutely
0: and so, I think the question a lot of companies have is from a revenue standpoint, when does it make sense to start adding this outbound engine? Um, is it based on revenue? Is it based on something else?
1: Oh gosh, um you know, I think the simple answer to that is when you want to accelerate revenue growth right. um, I think kind of the practical answer to um, that maybe hopefully will be meaningful to the audience is, is considering a few different factors. So the first is that, you know, if you've got a team of sales reps that are responsible for closing business and they're either completely swamped, you know, they're, they're drowning, um, and they're too busy to prospect or on the flip side, if you know, the low hanging fruit has subsided and you've got a team that's starving, that's when it's time to start cranking up the BDR engine. Um, you know, I think it goes back to leveraging that specialized skill set to you know purity of focus on just building pipeline is is you know the litmus test. Yep. Um, you know, the other is is when you want to go up market. So obviously, bigger accounts typically means bigger opportunities, bigger dollar value, um, but it also means it's harder to break into. They're typically not the ones that are you know raising their hands and and um, showing up at trade shows, yep. <laughs> and so you know if you've got a clearly defined market segmentation, your ideal targets are, are very defined and you know, you know, who you're going after. Um, it typically in my experience becomes really clear. When demand gen success, um, in creating inbound flow, um, starts to, um, you know, either wane and or you realize that there's the, that some part of the market segment isn't being served. So, um, that's when, you know, you, Tend to want to go upstream and have a, a different strategy, right, to break into those accounts. Bill.com and our program is, is really a perfect example of this. So, we have an amazing inbound marketing demand gen engine. Right. Um, we get a lot of leads, but the vast majority are in the SMB market. So, for us, you know, in our accountant channel specifically, our highest you know, lifetime value customer and our biggest net new revenue opportunity is in mid market firms. Okay. So, Unfortunately, that's a small percentage of those inbound leads, um, which means what we're doing right now is actively building out an outbound BDR team to focus and leverage, you've probably heard the phrase, you know, account-based marketing, account, account-based account sales, yep. um, prospecting approach to accelerate penetration in these larger firms. So, you know, in this regard, when and where you see the opportunity will drive the timing of when you want to build out the function. Got it. But I think there's also, you know, another um, consideration is that, BDRs add a lot of value in the longer, more complex sales cycles. So, again, if you're going upstream, you're going to have your best, most seasoned, experienced sales reps handling those accounts. And, you know, the question is, do you really want them spending time hunting or do you want them focused on closing those deals? Right. So, you know, if you're selling large, especially if you're selling large, complex enterprise deals and you want to expand your sales force, one thing to consider is bringing in a couple of BDRs and, you know, at least piloting the concept, right, of, of um, how fast and, and kind of what it takes to build that repeatable pipeline, you know, momentum. Because, again, I, I think I've seen it time and time again, experienced reps out in the field, you know, they want to come in and they, frankly, they expect and, and need consistent pipeline, right to, right, to make them fully productive. So you know, any season rep who's coming in is going to ask, do I have a BDR resource? You know, what does the pipeline look like? They want to understand where they're getting traction. And if you've already piloted that or made the BDR investment, the time to productivity of your, you know, either your insider or field sales team that's quoting, carrying quota is ultimately going to be much more, um, you know, effective.
0: That makes sense. So I guess the next question would be, what kind of profile would you look for based on the infrastructure that's currently in place at at the company?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, hiring for this role is just a challenge in that um, you know a, a lot of companies are embracing this. And so there's just a lot of demand for this kind of, of, you know, talent and function and role in an organization. Um, But specifically around the profile, I think that it really is dependent on a few things, you know, number one, the complexity of the product that you're selling, you know, if you've got really um, super technical infrastructure, you know, software that that you're selling, um, the ability for somebody to kind of, you know, come in and and pick that up quickly is is really challenging if you're somebody fresh out of college and, you know, you don't have any awareness of basic, like, IT infrastructure landscape, it'll take a long time to get people up to speed on that. So, like, in in that scenario, having somebody with maybe some domain knowledge, having been, you know, exposed or trained on um, basic infrastructure, probably is going to be your better bet. Um, same thing if you are selling to really sophisticated buyers, you know, in a very niche market and, or, um, you know, selling to the C-suite, you probably are going to want to, again, have, uh, at a minimum, um, BDRs who've had some basic business experience, you know, again, not fresh out of college um, where they're kind of just learning the ropes, that they can speak with more confidence, you know, to a, um, a C-level audience. And then the other consideration is around career pathing. You know, it's if you've got the the infrastructure, this is another major consideration, is frankly how much um, infrastructure you have and the foundation to bring a team in and be able to train them quickly and efficiently. So if you're a BDR manager and you're in a small startup company, there are not a lot of resources and you want to hire straight out of college, it's going to be a challenge, right? Because, you know, you're you're um, building everything from the ground up, the processes, the messaging. And then, by the way, you have to teach, you know, um, the team just, you know, basic, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That is a lot of heavy lifting. Um, so that you know, infrastructure I think is a, is a consideration for whether or not you can take advantage of, you know, there's obviously a lot of really smart people who can, um, that are straight out of college that are going to figure out, um, the communication and the, you know, the product complexity, um, but without that kind of infrastructure everyone has to be prepared that you know a typical 90 day ramp for a business development rep might then be extended to 120 or 180 days so it kind of depends really on again your patience level and and you know expectations your bandwidth, your bandwidth yeah.
0: exactly so going off of that too i think there definitely are some companies that have the bandwidth to bring in recent grads what sort of intangibles should these companies be looking for when they, they're looking at someone who maybe doesn't have any previous work experience or sales experience?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I think that the, you know, I've recruited straight straight from college. And my experience is that um, people who have done internships, so had some exposure, have had... Um, some kind of success measurements, you know, in the work that they're doing um, related to whatever field it's in is is a a litmus test, you know, basic litmus test. Um, I think, you know, it's hard to really assess in the interview process, um, you know, motivated goal oriented people. So the way that you can look for that is, um, for example, people who've played sports, you know, that they've found a balance. And have been, you know, highly motivated to be an achiever academically and in, you know, either whether it's sports or debates, you know, extracurricular activities, in other words. So I think those are are, um, some indicators of potential success. Yep.
0: And then once this person's in the role, I think a question that a lot of early founders and early managers have is how to determine their success and what sort of metrics to hold an SDR to. Are we holding them to a revenue metric? Are we holding them to activity metrics? And how do we decide that, that they're adding value in the right way?
1: Fantastic question. Because ultimately, you know, if you've you've got the timing right, you've got the people right, and when you're hiring, but you don't get kind of that... that um, you're not sure what you're measuring for, mm-hmm. that's when things start to break down. So um, having a very, um, you know, metrics-based management approach, you know, um, ideally a leader who, who you know, thinks about and knows um, what KPIs are, are critical specifically for their individual business is, is I think really important, but there still are always some basic foundational metrics. Yep. So that laundry list, for example, um, there's really two categories. You know, the laundry list, it would be, I put in two buckets, activity, and then also um, results. So in the bucket specifically around activity, um, for example, call activity, dials, connects, you know, the, the number and percentage rate of connections that you're making um, from your, your outbound calling, the talk time, you know, average talk time might be an indicator um, of, you know, what we call good conversations, right, right. quality conversations. Um, email and social outreach. So, again, tracking the volume and the connect rate in, you know, a lot of email. That's a heavy, heavy-duty part of the BDR, you know, mm-hmm. um execution right. approach these days. You know, there's a lot of debate and that's a whole other side note we won't go down, around, you know, is cold calling dead? Right. Um, you know, is it still a tool that's used? And and um, for the record, I'm a believer. <laughs> I'm a believer in phone. You know, the, the combination of, of, you know, putting a human voice to the message that you're bringing out, hopefully in a very productive way of have, having done research, done your homework, um, and doing reach outs, either social, LinkedIn, maybe it's Twitter, or email, and tracking responses to that. Yep. You know, the connects are are really an indicator of what's working. You know, if you're having like a really, really low connect rate, maybe you're targeting the wrong title or persona, you know, as we say in the organization, maybe the messaging needs to be tweaked. So these are all, you know, indicators of kind of what's working, what's not. Um, Number of meetings that are being set by the BDR is obviously a really, really critical um, um, activity metric. You'll notice I'm putting this in the activity metric and not the results metric because, yeah, you know, uh, you can have meetings all day long, but if they don't actually convert into opportunities, um, you know, then it's... That's what it is. It's activity. Right. So in the bucket around results, um, the opportunities being generated, you know, and the percent that are converting from those initial meetings into actual real pipeline opportunities are, are things that you'd want to track around results. The value of the pipeline, the dollar value um, is important. And then, of course, where the rubber meets the road is the number and the, you know, again, dollar value of the closed one opportunities that are... Um, being driven by the BDR uh, function. So I, I think that also, going back to that concept of account-based selling, account-based you know, marketing that, that, for example, we're employing here at Bill.com, um, there's gonna be some other sets of activity metrics. For example, the number of contacts that you're adding to the database you know per account, the number of unique touches that you're having in a target account, um, how many referrals are you getting? So tracking referrals, especially in, in big, you know, massive enterprise target right. accounts, and um, you know how many decision maker connects. Actually, distinguishing between you know a connect that is maybe um, an information gathering conversation versus in a connect with an actual decision maker. Um, those are two very different things. Absolutely. So along the lines of of you know metrics. Um, I think one of the key considerations is to understand the difference between a KPI and a comp plan metric. So I, I've seen that there's um, sometimes a disconnect there. And, and one of the biggest challenges is coming up with, you know, an ideal comp plan for BDR right. Um I have you know peers, colleagues, we talk all the time on the subject. Like what's the best, you know, structure to motivate do we
0: split it up? Is it fifty-fifty? Is exactly. it sixty?
1: How does that look? Exactly. So, you know, um, I'll I'll give you a specific, you know, examples of okay. those, of those <laughs> metrics, but I do want to say that really not once one size does not fit all. Yep. You know, um, I think for example, if you're a startup and you're just trying to get your foot in the door having a meetings goal makes sense. You know, let's just get our team in front of the uh, uh, accounts because also in that early stage, you're learning, you're in learning mode. So the more conversations you have, great. So maybe in those the the beginning, you're tying comp to that activity, right? Um, But as you maybe start to, Mature your business. You're trying to optimize your sales organization's productivity, um, shifting to paying on qualified opportunities that meet a very specific criteria that your team sets. You know, with the the sales leadership around. Um, you know, the classic band is you know one of them, right. um, and oftentimes I would recommend in those scenarios that maybe you have some kind of a validation or an acceptance criteria that, you know, these qualified opportunities, yes, they meet, I'm moving forward, this is going into my pipeline as validated by the sales organization. Um, but going back to your your specific question, a, an example of a couple of recent comp plans that I, I've um, had in place are a small component tied to meetings, so let's say around 25%, okay. and then... Um, I call that kind of the the volume or the quantity metric, and then the majority, let's say like 75% tied to the um, opportunities that are accepted or added to a pipeline, yep. and that's the quality metric. So again, you know, you might go all in on one or the other, um, and you'll notice that what I did not <laughs> say was part of those plans was... Um, Closed tying BDR comp to closed one right. revenue—that is one of the, you know, hottest topics that I've seen in areas for debate with CEOs. And it's been a debate for a long time. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know what? I get it. The desire to tie well everybody in the organization to results is is tying you know revenue. what we want to do. But you know, uh, tying BDRs to closed one revenue is challenging because ultimately any comp plan, whether it's a BDR or any sales rep should be tied to something they have control over. And ultimately a BDR does not have control. If they've teed up a great opportunity, you know, it's from there, it's the sales rep's role to bring that all the way to closure. So, you know, my recommendation in those situations, and and I typically, I I have had a small, what I'll call symbolic (laughs) amount (laughs) of comp tied to close one um, revenue, like definitively less than 20%, you know, 10 to 20%. Maybe it's even a bonus above and beyond the target earnings. That's, that's lovely. If you know, you, you can fill that into your, um, you know, cost of sale model, but you know, it's nice to have the reward to link them and keep them motivated for those results. But ultimately if you have, you know, any more than 20, 25% tied to something that they don't have control over, that becomes very demotivating.
0: Absolutely. And I think that leads to another point of the the SDR, BDR, AE relationship and what that ratio should look like. We we hear about one to one in some organizations, three to one. Do you have a formula, or do you have an opinion, one way or another, on that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it depends again on the um, the complexity of the sale. You know, the the um, value of the sale. Um, you know, if you've got a six, nine, you know, twelve month sales cycle, having um, a a tighter BDR ratio, even one to one, you know, maybe max one to two ratio, in those situations makes a lot of sense because. Typically, what you're doing is the BDrs are helping you with that land and expand approach, right? They're busy helping um, break into different departments, divisions, lines of businesses um, with and having that that ratio of you know one to two or one to one even um, versus a one to four or one to five yeah. gives them the opportunity to actually be strategic, you know, to think and be thoughtful about the information they're gathering and how to navigate in a, in a large organization. Um, you know, if something is more transactional, a lot of inbound leads, as an example, um, where it's simply, you know, qualify and hand handoff, you're probably going to have more of a, you know, one to four, possibly even up to one to five, anything above one to five is really like, um, the, the value kind of diminishes. Okay. And I would even question, um, like on a, on an inbound super high volume model, um, sometimes and especially if it's a short sales cycle, you know it goes, you know either in real time or straight to a closer. Yeah. So really, um, the BDR is going to add the most value when there needs to be some kind of gatekeeping happening on the inbound. But certainly, um, the outbound, the one to two, one to max, one to three is going to get you your highest. Got it. You know, value. Got it.
0: And then I, pivoting to another part of the organization, how would you structure sales and marketing alignment once this function is in place?
1: So if you're building an outbound BDR function, um, having the sales and marketing alignment is absolutely critical. There are different you know, kind of metrics um, that you would want to create in my, again, and this is my opinion with the marketing organization, you know, it's not just around the volume of leads that, that typically, you know, they might be tracking to, um, this is, helping build out, you know, content strategy and a, you know, campaign and resource strategy to support outbound efforts. So as an example here, we're hiring a dedicated product marketing manager yep. to help build programs and resources the BDRs will use in their campaign. You know, if you're going after a target account, you've got a very clearly defined, you know, account-based selling strategy. Um, you need to have, you know, assets that are valuable to the, to um, help again with that front part of the process, educating, creating awareness, and so some of the marketing stuff that's maybe um, um, either if you're focused on like middle of the funnel or super super high level, um, 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 you know, in inbound kinds of, of, of like search engine marketing ads clearly aren't going to add a lot of value to right. the outbound program. So I would say um, you know coming up with with um, webinars and, and supporting kinds of, you know, maybe, maybe even just having a field marketing resource that's helping do micro events, um, breakfast briefings, et cetera, out in region where you're trying to build that face to face, you know, relationship or rapport yeah. with your target audience.
0: Makes sense. Well, any other thoughts on this? I, I think we've, we've covered a lot of really important points, but anything else that we should leave the listeners with today? Uh,
1: Like I said, I think the most important thing is is the the challenge around this is not you know one size does not fit all. So um, you know thinking through your strategy and talking to um, talking to peers, colleagues who have done this before are going to be your best you know your best resources. Um, Kind of my bible, as it were, for for this um, is a book that was written by Trish Bertuzzi, the SDR. Uh, playbook. It's It's got a lot of great information and, and specific examples of organizations and how they've gone about this, specific comp plan examples and metrics to think through. So that's maybe a tidbit in terms of a, a resource that folks could look into.
0: That's great. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank
1: you.
2: Thank you for downloading this Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Bowery Capital is a business software-focused venture capital firm specializing in helping our founders build initial revenue traction. For more information, please visit us online at bowerycap.com blog.